The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. All right, welcome back. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein, hanging out with you here in the Prop Swap studios of AM 1490 Sports Betting Radio. And we have John McMullen on the line. We're going to get to John here in just a second, our NFL Eagles insider. Uh, Stretcher is out on the floor, and it doesn't look good right now for this USC-Gonzaga Elite Eight matchup that just got underway as we previewed it to start the show. Trying to see. Oh, it's a it's a referee. Okay. Um, thought it was a player. I couldn't even tell. So a referee is down. The stretcher is out. There's a big huddle around him. Not sure exactly what's going on, but uh, hope he's okay. And I'll I'll keep you updated with that and everything else going on in that game. But let's switch over to the gridiron and talk about the NFL and the Philadelphia Eagles with Johnny Mack right now. Follow John on Twitter at JF McMullen, phillyvoice.com, si.com, extending the play on Saturdays, Birds 365, coming to you soon next week. Johnny Mack, how we doing, man? Doing well. Trying to get through these uh, these pro days, but it could be worse. Um, Justin Fields Day today, so that was exciting. I mean, once again... John, <laughs> some of the <laughs> tweets I saw. He rolled out to his uh, left and evidently see the greatest pass in recorded history. I mean, come on. I, I saw a tweet from, from Ryan Clark, who, you know, Steeler great. I respect his opinion. Obviously, he played the game at the highest level, knows what he's talking about. He tweeted something out like he just like Fields just won the Super Bowl today. It's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and I, you know, Ryan Day talked uh, <laughs> talked after the pro day as well about what a what a breathtaking pass it was, <laughs> which I'm sure it was when you're there. I mean, you know, when you can throw the football that far, it's impressive to begin with. But you know, didn't we know that? I I, I don't know. And he ran very well, four four. Didn't we know that? Couldn't you tell he was really fast? I, I you know, I, I, oof, I, I, look, I love the NFL. <laughs> it's what I get paid to do to cover the sport. But I got to tell you, these, this draft cycle every year at this point, it just gets mind numbing. Uh, I mean, everybody's great. Everybody's the greatest ever. And we all know there's, you know, I forget the name of it, but there's that. Uh, I, I've always made this comparison. There's there's a a, a chemical that a a women women secrete when they get pregnant uh, that makes them forget, so they might want to get pregnant again. And it's like that way in the NFL draft. It's like it, you hear every year, everybody's great, everybody's great, everybody's great. Then you get to the games. And, you know, Eagles fans can be the first in line. Was Jalen Rager great? Was, you know, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside great? All these great players don't turn out to be great, and everybody forgets about it. 
and they're exactly where they were the next year, and they'll be this way next year as well. I mean, <laughs> what if he what if he overthrew that pass? What if he didn't complete one pass today? You know, like what is he not getting drafted? And because he looked good a little bit, you know, well, it's, it's funny you say that because Mac Jones also had a pro day today, and he overthrew a couple guys, and people were making out like it was a disaster. I, I, I mean, you know, should you miss uh, when? In air, no. But, I, I mean, look, if somebody's interested in Mac Jones, they're looking at the film, they like the way he processes, they like the way he plays. No, it's in short, no, it's not going to change anybody's mind. All right, so, well, just anything you want to add to the Mac Jones Pro Day and any other, um, you know, news surrounding prospects? Now, my only thing is on the Mac Jones Pro Day, this was Alabama's second Pro Day. <laughs> Think about that. They're so good, they have to have two different Pro Days. You know, Trevor Lawrence had his own Pro Day. Um, so Clemson technically had two Pro Days as well, but that was more injury-related. He was going to have the shoulder surgery, and they wanted him to be able to throw. Uh, really, Urban Meyer set it up. Uh, for whatever reason. But, you know, Alabama's just so stinking good. They can't sit them all in one day. So they have to have two pro days. Which, by the way, we might, we might, we talk about breaking up monopolies and big tech in this country. And we might want to break up Alabama. <laughs> the monopoly. I agree. I agree. They're taking all of our money. We're, we're bankrupt. They own all the property. <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> They're too good. It's no fun. I've, you and I have had that discussion. College football is no fun, man. No. You know, when it, it, I, I see both sides of the coin. I, I mean, I do think there is something to greatness and, and to see um, dynasties and, and things like that. But, you know, there's, again, again, there's both sides of the coin, and it gets boring after a while. You know, nobody's competing outside of Clemson and Ohio State. And, you know, that's basically it. Maybe you get an up year from LSU or another SEC team. But, uh, I mean, yeah, break them up. I mean, just to add on to that conversation for another couple minutes, look at Gonzaga for men's hoops. They're playing right now. I mean, undefeated this year. Last year they were thirty-one and two, thirty-three and four the year prior, thirty-two and five the year prior, thirty-seven and two the year prior. They don't have a national title to to show for it. If the format was like college football, maybe we would be looking at them the same way we look at Alabama. So the format does impact this. Yeah, I, I mean it, it is. It, that's a hard conversation because, I, I mean, football is a much more, obviously, uh, difficult sport. To have. Obviously, you can't have 64 teams and whittle it down. I mean, uh, it's just too physical. It's just uh, you, everybody be dropping like flies. Um, and, and then, you know, I guess in theory you could back it up and say, well, let's go with the top 64 teams and play a regular season and whittle it down that way. But, uh, yeah, it's just not feasible is what I'm trying to say in football. So, uh, you know, that's that's the one thing the basketball tournament has for it. And I've always said, I mean, 
one and done, and, and there's the opportunity for upsets more, more likely than not than other sports because, on, on, you know, if you have a great day and the other team plays maybe their C or D game, you have those, those phenomenal finishes and those so-called Cinderella's, which I always I tell you all the time, Cinderella won. So if you don't win the whole thing, you're not Cinderella, technically. Nobody wants to hear that. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know how you – if Central Florida plays, you know, they were undefeated, kind of declared themselves the national championships because they weren't involved. And I actually applauded them for doing it the year they did it. But let's be honest, if they had to play Alabama, they're getting boat raced. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, they're not even – on the same level, like different, completely different leagues. Um, so I'm, I'm with you. And, and I don't know what the answer is for college football. As you said, you and I have talked about that plenty. Um, always an interesting conversation, though. So, all right, a couple other news and headlines for the NFL. The confirmation of the new 18-week schedule. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, 17 games over 18 weeks. So it's interesting. They just essentially uh, uh, push back the, the season a week. So the Super Bowl is going to go, uh, I think it's February 13th, 12th or 13th. I don't have it in front of me. But uh, so push back a little bit. And uh, this was sort of baked into the CBA uh, that um, the NFL, there was this, what they called a media kicker that won the new. Uh, television deals came in. They had the uh, opportunity to increase the schedule to 17 games, and if they did that, the players in turn would get a a kicker in their gross revenue. Um, and the NFL felt comfortable because they got so much money and the new TV deal. So the players get 48%, a little bit more. Everybody in theory is happy <laughs> until guys start you know, falling like flies and get injured, and you're going to have uh, another game to get through. So we just talked about football in general and how physical it is, and um, they keep going and going and going. And I don't know. I, I, I you know, they they cut the preseason back uh, to three games. I would, I, I've already advocated cut the preseason out. Maybe that would help a little bit and play yep. 17 games. I mean, totally out. I mean, zero games. And just let them practice or have joint practices or however each individual team wants to do it. I don't think you need preseason games. But there's always unintended consequences. I, I've had that conversation with our friend Colin Thompson, who's you know on the Carolina Panthers. And, you know, those games are important for guys on the back ends of the roster trying to make teams and maybe that would affect their opportunities, which I, I do see some of that, but in a lot of ways I've, I've talked to enough coaches over the years. I think they value practice more anyway. I really do. Uh, and, and certainly. And they don't practice where they can script what they want to work on instead of, if you think about it, you're playing sort of, um, uh, dress up for a real game and if you do want to work on something say red zone work or you're having struggling and you have to you have to hope that that comes up in the game whereas if if you're having a joint practice 
you can get together with the other coach and say, look, we have to work on red zone and, and you get more work accomplished. That's kind of how coaches have phrased it to me. They don't practice, John, and I agree with you. They value practice more than the preseason games, but this is part of the problem to me, and I kind of shake my head at them you know, extending it another week, another game for the regular season, and they only cut it down preseason from four to three. And, you know, it, it's a longer season, and these guys aren't practicing. I mean, don't you yeah. think the product is going to suffer and injuries are going to go up? Yeah, I, I mean, I I think it has, and other people say it hasn't. Uh, I know. I mean, J.C. Treader is the president of the NFLPA. He claims that the product's as good as it's ever been. I look at him cross-eyed when he says that, but, uh, I mean, that's what the players are trying to sell. Um, I, I think the athletes, we, we've kind of had this discussion with the NBA. I, I think the athletes are better than they've ever been, or I don't think the game is better than it's ever been. And for the exact reason you just said, because of the lack of practice. It's common sense. I mean, what do you do to get better in anything in life? Repetition, repetition, repetition. If you don't do it, you're not going to be as good at it. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, the product, you can make an argument that it's better because, like you said, John, the athletes are – at an all-time high as far as nutrition and and performance and training. And, yeah, so they've evolved uh, with everything else. So the modern-day athlete is better, and the rules are tailored to the superstar, to the quarterback, to the offense. But as far as the health and safety of the players and as far as actual practice to get the team better, that's – that's not happening. So everything is taking a hit. So it kind of can be disguised a little bit. I think that's the problem. Yeah, no question. I, and I think, I, I, and I always bring this up. I mean, today it's, you know, everybody does the same thing, spread the field, RPO, blah, blah. And, and, and it's like, it, you know, for a generation that I guess grew up with that, it, that's what they know. So it looks fine to them. But if you do go back to the the Bill Walsh era and the West Coast offense and all these intricate plays, it's it's not it's not as aesthetic. It's just not. Um, and you can't practice to be like those old Forty ers teams. So coaches have rightfully shifted in other directions to make things more simple, uh, simplify things, dumb things down. They don't dumb things down necessarily because they want to, because they have to, because they don't have as much time with the players as they used to. Um, so, I, I mean, it depends how you look at it. And, and, and again, we've, we've had this discussion in both sports, and I would bring in baseball as well. I don't know, I don't know as much about hockey, uh, so I, I, but I would assume, I would guess it's the same way there as well. It's just – it's a natural occurring thing because there's less practice and less practice. I'm sorry. is going to mean players aren't as fundamentally sound. They aren't as technique sound. So 
you, you're going to have spectacular plays. You're always going to have spectacular plays by spectacular athletes, but they're also going to have some issues from a technique and a fundamental standpoint. I think we just saw Carson Wentz. I mean, that defines his legacy in Philadelphia, just how poor fundamentally and poor mechanically he was and really slid, if anything, from his second season when John D. Filippo was here. I think he's a good poster child for this. How do the players feel about this, John? And, and listen, it, it's going to help their pockets. So overall, I'm sure they're happy, but they also have to realize, man, the season's already a grind. Now let's play another game. I mean, do they really care? It's overall happy because of more money. What do you think the feel is? Yeah, I, I mean, they're going to love the money. They're going to love the spikes in the TV deal, the spikes in the salary cap, the spikes in the contracts. I, every one of them says they don't want to play 17 games. Um, but I, I think that's kind of indoctrinated in them uh, to be against that. You know, way back, they played 12 games in the NFL, and they went to 14, and it went to 16. Uh, at some point, you would think they would have to stop it. You know, and Roger Goodell says it again today, uh, and, I, and I laughed out loud, and I chuckled again. I'm thinking about it. He said, we're following the science. I mean, I, I, I don't – you can't talk about safety and talk about raising games. I mean, I've argued you can't talk about safety. You're a hypocrite to talk about safety in the NFL to begin with because it's not safe to play professional football. So even even the people out there on Twitter that say this is horrible, the NFL doesn't care about their players, well, they don't. They're right. It is about the money. But you don't care about the players either because, you enjoy watching them play football and playing football one game. Forget about 17 games. It's not good for them. Let's be honest about that. No, it, absolutely. Um, just not. I mean, hypocrites are all over social media and online from the fans, as you and I know very well, John. Um, quickly, just another headline update for the league. I don't know how much we can speak to this. The headline really could say it all, but NFL expects full stadiums for the 2021 season. That's from the commish as well. Your thoughts there? Yeah, I I mean, they felt that way for a while behind the scenes, uh, and it came out and and said it today, and that's the goal. That was the goal last year, though. I mean, it's kind of out of their hand, Um, and it depends on – uh, local government more than anything else, um, and they have to abide by that. So, say locally, if the city of Philadelphia says the Eagles can only have one third capacity, that's it. I, I mean, but the league as a whole wants full stadiums, and uh, I think um, they're hopeful by the way things are going that they'll get to that point. But the problem is for the league. You know, you know, certain places are going to get there. I mean, Florida's already open. Um, technically, although nobody has done it, although UFC was the first. Um, I don't know. Did they do it? What was that card this week? You know, Ryan? Was that the one in Jacksonville um, this weekend? I, I want to say Jacksonville. It's, it's usually one of two locations. Uh, but I'm pretty sure yeah, Florida. I'll double they, check. They just 
just sold – I don't know if it was the one that happened over the weekend, but they're planning on having a full arena. Um, and I don't know if that's the one that just happened or it's coming up. I'll have to check on that. But um, they'll be the first sort of major sport to, to have a full arena. So Florida is already allowing that. Now, nobody has taken advantage of it to this point except them. Uh, but you can see, you know, Texas, it really comes down to politics, and politics are terrible and awful. And look at California. I mean, California still has, um, you know, pretty severe lockdowns compared to most of the rest of the country, and that's where the Super Bowl is next year. So if California says, no, you can't have a full stadium for for the Super Bowl, well, either got to go somewhere else or um, you got to put as many fans as they allow. So it, it depends, and it always depends on on the local governments. The fight this weekend was actually in Las Vegas, John. So Yeah, so that's not the one. But they have one that they're, they've already started selling tickets for in Jacksonville, I believe, where they're going to fill it up. They're, they're selling every ticket. I think it's already sold out. Wow. Uh, and they'll be the first um, sports, uh, major sports organization to fill a stadium since the pandemic. Talking with John McMullen, our NFL Eagles insider. We do this every night at 730 on The Fix. Follow John at JF McMullen, phillyvoice.com, and si.com is where you can find all of his written work. And speaking of that, I know you had an article yesterday, John, and we start this conversation talking pro days. Justin Fields stole the headlines today. Um, <laughs> there's a big a big pro day tomorrow that could uh, impact the Eagles a little bit, and you wrote about it? Well, I, I think a lot of them uh, have, you know, really come off the board uh, a couple of, you know, major – whether it's we talked about Alabama having the two, Miami was today, Notre Dame is tomorrow, um, and these are these are all schools that have major league talent. I mean, and they all have uh, potential options, sort of at number twelve overall. Now that's the Eagles have kind of fallen down, and it's actually interesting. I don't know if you're talking about the Notre Dame story I wrote today. I wrote a story about Gregory Russo, who's the edge rusher from Miami. Um, and he's kind of like shooting up the board. Um, and, and to the point where I know we've talked about that no edge rushers are, are sort of good enough to go in the top 10. Well, he, he might go in the top 10 now. Uh, and that's, that's, how things are shifting. And again, it's not necessarily, I always say it's not necessarily prospects shooting up the board. It's people learning that the NFL really likes these guys. And Russo is one of those guys that I look at for the Eagles. Cause I, I did a deep dive and I mentioned on the show about who they've picked uh, when they're in the top half of the draft. So 16 or above over the past 20 plus years since Andy Reid got here. And it's quarterback, offensive line, or defensive line. Literally nothing else. Nothing else. Not even one outlier. It's always been quarterback, 
offensive line or defensive line. If they're in the top 16 picks of the draft, they have taken nothing else. So I, I think, you know, there is some newness to this organization with a new coaching staff, obviously. But the power center, the centers of power, it's the same people. It's Jeffrey Lurie, it's Howie Roseman, it's Andy Weidel. And that's what they believe in. So, if and I put cornerback as a little bit of an outlier only because um, if you go back to when Andy Reid was interviewed, he said, give me two tackles, give me two edge rushers, a, cor- a quarterback, and two corners. And I mentioned that yesterday on the show as well. Um, so he, they do value that position. They just haven't been in the spot where they think there's a player. And there could be this time with J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertain uh, and Caleb Farley. So there could be a corner. But, boy, I'm starting to look at Russo and say, that's an Eagles pick. That's an Eagles pick at 12. Uh, What are the chances now? I mean, this could be a a dumb question, but the chances of the Eagles just going offensive linemen at 12. Why, Why wouldn't they? go offensive lineman at 12. Yeah, I, I mean, they could. I, that's another position. I, I've shied away from that because they're not bad on the offensive line, but they, they're they also aging. Uh, we constantly talk about Jason Kelsey. Nobody knew if he was coming back uh, this year. Uh, Brandon Brooks coming off the second Achilles tear in essentially three years. So you have to worry about that. You have to worry about Lane Johnson coming off serious ankle surgery at his age. So you do have to start to turn it over. It wouldn't surprise me at all if if the Eagles took uh, an offensive lineman. Somebody like Rashawn Slater fell to 12 or Barrett Tucker from USC is at 12. It wouldn't surprise me at all because that's, that's, you know, it's going to be offensive or defensive line. I'm confident in that. It's going to upset people. And what's really going to upset people is that Chase and Pitts, it's looking like they're going to be there at six, both of them. So the Eagles could have had their, their choice if that happens. And people are going to be really upset about that. Oh yeah. It's going to, it's going to get ugly uh, real quick. Um, Last one here for you, John. Like when you're picking 12th overall, and there's an offensive lineman and a cornerback who are both at the same level for their position, like both an A minus and 90 overall out of 100. Do they factor in, okay, well, there's going to be a really good offensive lineman still available at 37? So we will go corner because of that. Like, do, how does all that play into things when you're selecting on draft day? Yeah, generally you you can't do that if if you you have a player you like at twelve. Generally, when you when you move down, it's because you basically say have six or seven players that are are graded pretty equally and you feel comfortable that the talent level is the same, so you're willing to drop back a little bit. But you're not going to say, if you like an offensive lineman, and and say he's clearly uh, the best player at 12, you're not going to say, let's let's skip him because 
Liam Eikenberg, he's one of those Notre Dame kids I wrote about, is going to be available at 37. I, I don't think you can play those types of games. So when you talk about moving down, um, you're generally talking about you're really, really comfortable uh, that a certain sort of cluster of players are, are pretty pretty the same from a grade standpoint. You'd be comfortable taking any of them, uh, and and that's generally how how trades happen. And um, you know, not to say teams won't do that. Bad teams will certainly do that and say, "Well, we like this kid on the offensive line, but we really need a." a cornerback. So let's take the cornerback and there's still going to be some good offensive linemen down at 37, but I, I certainly teams do do that, but they generally are bad teams. All right. So let's hope the Eagles uh, don't go about it that way. Johnny Mack, our NFL Eagles insider every night at seven 30, follow him at JF McMullen, Philly voice.com. And by the way, before go I go, Ryan, yeah. UFC two sixty one. April 24th in Jacksonville, sold out wow. in four minutes. It'll be a full house. <laughs> when is that? April 24th. April 24th. Okay, sorry, I missed that. Um, there you go. Dropping knowledge for the UFC dates as well. Listen to them host Extending the Play every Saturday at 10 a.m. right here on 1490 and Birds 365 starting next week with J-Mac and Joe Mac. Um, if that works. All right, John, we'll do it again tomorrow. All right, thanks, Ryan. Yep, there he is, Johnny Mack.